0: In this episode, we discuss the importance of using a local lender. Local lenders are familiar with all the quirkiness of the keys. I know you probably have a trusted lender you have used for years, but I am telling you when it comes to both a real estate agent and a lender, you want to go local. Listen in as I talk with Lisa Feliciano with Central State Bank about some of the experiences we've encountered with securing finance in the keys. Welcome to Florida Keys Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, April Struess, and today we are going to discuss different types of mortgage loans and the process of getting a mortgage loan with buying a home. To help guide us on this process, we are lucky enough to have local mortgage banker expert, Lisa Feliciano from Center State Bank. Welcome, Lisa, and thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Lisa, tell us about Center State Bank,
1: your career. Tell us about you. Okay. Okay. Well, I've lived down here in the Florida Keys for 35 years. I have been doing banking and mortgages probably that whole time. (laughs) So I'm your local expert, basically. I also have a little bit about Center State Bank. Center State Bank is a bank, so it's great. It's a little bit different than using the mortgage company. So we have been around for a long time. We are locally managed and it's great to actually work for a bank on the mortgage side. So, say I have
0: a buyer who wants to use Center State Bank, but they're not a client of Center State
1: Bank. Can they still get a mortgage through Center State Bank? Yes. You don't have to have an account with us to have a mortgage with us. And the myth of the differences between the mortgage company, because everybody always thinks, oh, if I use a mortgage broker, uh, they have more options not the truth as a bank we technically have more options we are hooked up to more investors than usually broker shops mortgage companies because of the fact that we are a bank so we have a lot of assets and we are guaranteed other types you know it's easier for us to sign up with them to work with them because of the size of our bank the assets and you know potential for less fraud less Losses to the banks, and we do control things in house. So basically, we don't have to go through the investor to underwrite. We have our team of underwriters, we have our team, our in house appraisers, and our team of the underwriters is huge because having local in house underwriting makes such a big difference because we can control our underwriters. If I'm just selling your loan, because we're not working on it, we have to work with that, their team of underwriters, which makes it sometimes a little more complicated because we have no control over those people. So, you know, whatever they say goes. So if they can't do your loan and I've put your loan in process, let's say if I'm a broker, the biggest difference is, is that they can't flip it in-house. Where since we have money, we can flip it in-house, give you a portfolio loan. And now all of a sudden you don't lose your deal. And I think you just mentioned something really
0: important about having the ability to have it in-house because as you know, some of our properties here in Monroe County might be a little harder to not keep in-house because of, of just how they're, they're laid out. For example, we have Ocean Point. I know that's one, which is a condo hotel. And like you said, having the ability that you can keep it in-house, then you can still finance it because I've had buyers who tried to buy in certain areas and they these other lenders and they just can't do it because I don't understand it.
1: Yes. With the bank, you have more options because we can lend our own money. Right. Okay. So we have our portfolio loans. So that would include Ocean Point, your condo hotels, that would include anything outside of the box. Because remember, if we sell it, you got to conform to Fannie and Freddie guidelines, or, you know, they might have some investors that they deal with that are outside of the box, but then you're paying such a higher rate. And that's what people don't understand because like on mobile homes, I had yesterday, we actually went out to Caravan. I went out yesterday, I <laughs> talking to one of the realtors and they said to me, oh, can you do a mobile home? Yeah. Oh, I talked to another broker and they could do it, but it was like 30% down, 8% on a rate yeah, it's not that oh, wow. it's not that they can't do them, but right. you know, it's like, hello, we do 20% down and we do 20 or fixed, 4.625 on a rate. Normally today, that would it be what it would be. We don't normally quote rates like some people send out rate sheets. We don't like to do that because sometimes it's not accurate and we don't like to deceive anybody. So we like our information to be accurate up to the point. That's why we always ask you know, people contact us for interest rates and stuff like that because they can change at any moment. When you are sending out race sheets, they're not usually exactly correct. So we don't like to do that. But on the mobile home side, we don't even care about age. There's no restriction other than the condition of the property has to be
0: good. The age part, that one surprised me because I thought it had to be a certain age, double wide, all these rules. So
1: that's not the situation. No, it's with, not because we okay. made guidelines. Oh God, I don't even know how many years back I want to say. Uh, Cause it's been a while and I'm aging myself, but we <laughs> changed the rules where it's 1976. Okay. Has always probably been the age, but they used to be able to do single and double. Now they only do double wides. So right. if you do a double wide newer than 1976, Then it conforms to Fannie Mae guidelines. You can sell it. Normally any investor will take it. You only have to worry about tie downs and getting an engineer report so that the tie downs, they want to verify that the tie downs are correct. And as anything, anytime you do a loan on a property, that property has to be insurable. So we got to make sure, but I mean, we've done some pretty and not great condition. (laughs) Uh, mobile homes that I would say for me, but um, we still being able to get insurance and we've still been able to close. Okay. So um, we don't care about the age. We don't care if it's single wide. We don't care if it's a double wide. We will hold it on our portfolio. Okay. As long as the condition's good, we can get insurance on them. And that's pretty much the biggest difference.
0: Yeah. And that's really huge. Because I know when I have buyers and we're looking, they're looking at the mobile home industry, it's like, it has to be this, this, and this. Yeah. So it, it opens, it kind of closed off a bunch of older mobile homes here. Yeah. So it's nice to know that there's still a possibility they can get into them, especially because usually they're lower prices. So
1: Well, an the trick is that sometimes when you're talking to a mortgage broker, they'll be like, no, 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 it has to be this. And right. sometimes I've even heard them like telling the realtors, no, 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 go have your customer look at a property like this. Mm. You know, well, I don't do those things. Cause it's like, who cares? You know, at the end of the day, it's about helping your customer. Of course, you know, it's yeah. not about helping me. It's not about help. You know, it's about helping right. the customer. That's the important thing. You want to make sure you help them get into the house, whatever way you can. So, you know, that's the importance of working with somebody local that has experience in that area. I've been doing manufactured homes down here since I started, worked for a different bank and we did them as well. So it's been a very long time, but these are the different things that you kind of need to know because it's important. And that's why I feel that working at a bank makes a huge difference because I can offer you more product. We give pretty good rates because we don't have to use the investor's underwriters So, and we send a lot more volume because we have such a huge team that we get some great pricing as well. So that all makes a big difference when you're looking for loans, but use somebody local because there's a few main people that have been here for a while that would know the area. But I mean, I've had things come up, $2 million Bayfront homes. Now they own the Bay Bottom. You know, somebody might not know that, you know, and if your underwriters aren't, part of your team, they're going to be like, Hey, sometimes And I've had that before. Like people come to me, well, gosh, they had a problem here because of this or that. And it's not easy. If you don't have your team of underwriters, you can't explain things as easy as if you have to now deal with an underwriter from an investor. They don't really care, you know, and we care. We want to make it happen for you because at the end of the day, it's helping your customer.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned something that's true. It's just the keys are just so different, I feel like, than Mm -hmm. other parts of the country. Like you said, Bay Bottoms. If some of the Bay Homes own the Bay Bottoms, some don't. Sometimes there's, and then boat slips on condos. Sometimes it's a deeded boat Mm slip. Sometimes it's signed sign boat slips. So there's all these, (laughs) and then flood insurance. There's just so much down here that's different. And like you said, I mean, I've seen buyers that use lenders that weren't from here. And, you know, it got really sketchy at the end on it. It could close because they didn't understand some of our kind of, Craziness, (laughs) Craziness.
1: <laughs> right. Guess what? They're not here. They're not going to attend the closing. No. I like to attend all my closings. Yeah. Because so, guess what? When you're sitting there at the closing table, I mean, you don't have to pick up the phone and call the lender. If the lender's there with you, it's so much easier to handle and it runs smoother. Agree. Because um, then, if there's, like you said, if something ends up at the last moment
0: kind of off, you're there like, okay, we can solve this. We don't have to delay closing, which then can be a
1: whole nother right. hassle. So you can keep moving forward. Yep. And then it's a lot easier to deal with when you have your lender with you there at the closing table. I think that's a great asset to have there with you because you never know, you know, depending on title company and a lot of the title companies here actually expect me there now and like me to be there because I can help them along with the closing. And we have great relationships with all the title companies down here. So uh, it makes a difference because we do a lot of closings with them. Well, and then also from a
0: perspective of a buyer, it's just the... Get the comfort of it that you know that your mortgage bankers, is there, like they care, they want to be that they're taking time out of their day to sit with you to make sure everything runs smoothly. It's not like, okay, thank you for your money,
1: see you later. Yeah, I don't know. I get so many referrals after the fact from my customers because you do do that, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, you know, it's nice to have a hug at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part because you know they're happy and it's like. You might not have seen that person the whole time because you're dealing with them on the phone, but then you see them at closing and it, and it just tightens your relationship with them and it builds a better relationship at the closing, I think. And it's it's nice to have that. It
0: is nice. And, and then the relationship factor of it, um, that's true because you like that hug at the end because, you know, this process can be sometimes a little stressful for the buyer you know if things don't run smoothly or if you know they might not know they might have some hiccups in their finances they didn't know about until Mm -hmm. they started this process right so talking about that let's step back one let's go to i'm a buyer who's looking at houses but they haven't gotten pre-qualified yet what are the steps they need to do obviously contact you but what what do they need what's kind of steps
1: before they start looking at houses Well, usually I'll talk to somebody. I'm pretty old school. So if they're here, even if they're on the phone, a lot of times I like to do things by hand. (laughs) So I like to make sure that they're kind of qualified. So I'll interview them. I'll try to get, you know, information from them so that we know you're not wasting your time. I'm not wasting my time. You know what I mean? So that we're not inputting something in our, as an application and just taking apps. I don't do that because I don't think it's fair to you, the customer's time, anybody's time. So my main key for me, at least with my experience, has been to take a paper and a pen and just write everything down and calculate their ratios based on what they're telling me, because we do know how does it go? Buyers are liars. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I do it by hand. And then if I think it's somebody that's going to, you know, be good. If not, then we'll, we have a website. Everybody's automated these days. So we send them to our website. We have them do the application. They give authorization for their credit. And then we have them send documents. We never, ever, ever give you a pre approval letter. And we get people that get upset about that because they're like, I called ABC Company and we just did it all over the phone and they sent my pre approval letter. And I said, Excuse me, sir, ma'am, but I don't know that that's, you know, that's not really fair to anybody in this particular scenario because the realtor has to spend their time taking you out. We have a lot of work to do. So, yeah, I know it's a lot of paperwork, but to get a pre approval letter, You want to make sure that, you know, we've pulled their credit, we verified their income, we verified their assets, then issue the pre-approval letter, because if not, it means absolutely nothing. Now you're taking your time to take them out and then you do a contract and they're not pre-approved. Okay. So now all of a sudden on the back end, I start and I pull their credit and oh Lord, they thought they had a 780 credit. Now they have a 580 credit score, you know? And it just happens a lot. And I've had even top, top producers down here because, like I said, I've been doing this a very long time, probably longer than anybody else down here. I could probably say that. But they've been spending time with them for a year and they never got them pre-approved. Guess what? Now they finally found a house. They come into my office with the customer. Oh, here, Lisa, here's the customer. We're all set. Finally, we got in the house. We got this $2 million property. It's Everything's good. And then they just don't qualify, you know, they might be self-employed, they uh, might make 10 million, now they make 100,000 after all their expenses, you know, so it always comes up stuff like that. So it's very, 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 very important that you as a realtor get your customer pre-approved and you make sure that the loan officer isn't just interviewing them over the phone and popping a letter out, that they've actually you know, verified their income, verify their assets, verify their credit. Those are the three most important things. After that, you're good to go. We're like ready. So as soon as you do have a contract, we've already got their file set. Everything's ready to go. And it all moves so much faster. Yeah. And I agree with you 100% about
0: getting pre-approved before just because It's just a waste of time on everyone's part. If you're like, as you said, sometimes people will think, "Oh, oh, yeah, I have all this money. I've done this. My finances are good." And then turns out they didn't know something happened. So you spend you know hours and hours showing them houses. Like you said, then they get all their their hopes up that oh, I found the perfect house. So then they're let down. That obviously the agents let down. That everyone. It's just a huge when it's waste of time. So if you can get kind of the most important step done first then it's just easier. And I know like with my buyers, when I submit an offer to the listing agent, I want that pre-approval letter in the offer. I think it shows stronger. I think it's important because again, we don't want to waste the
1: seller's time either. You don't want to waste anybody's time. So it's truly important to do that. Like everyone's busy. Of course. And I know every customer is important. Right. But if you don't have them pre-approved, then you don't know what they're qualifying for. They might be looking over their budget as well. So, you know, this beautiful house of 600000 is lovely to me. But now, you know, do I really qualify for that? I mean, we've had that, right? Where everybody's always thinking, oh, well, yeah, no, this is the house I want, okay? But do they really qualify for that budget? Right. They might only qualify for a $300,000 house. Right. And then you've been showing them in the wrong area. Now you got to start all over. So not only that it's a solid buyer and they can actually afford something, but it tells you what price range you could show them, which is important because then you won't have to
0: start all over again. Oh, it's very important. And then also a trust factor with the buyer. It's like they have their hopes up on the $600,000 property. And then all of a sudden like, oh, just kidding. Right. That's just wrong. <laughs> no, exactly. Correct. <laughs> so... We get a ratified contract, you got the pre approval. What happens? What are the kind of next steps? And how long should
1: it take to go from? Like a lot of times when we're pre approving them, obviously we look for what program fits them best. So that's usually when we do the pre approval, we look to see what program might fit them best. Are they VA? You know, can we give them 100% financing with no mortgage insurance and an awesome rate? Or, you know, if they're not VA, can we qualify them FHA if they're a first time home buyer? The good thing about a bank again is we do have some type of down payment assistance. Does it always work for everybody? No, but we do as a bank, um, we get down payment assistance programs from different areas. So we have like federal housing, we have a whole bunch of different companies that we use that we can do these programs. Now, it just depends on the customer themselves if they're going to qualify for those programs and if their debt ratio can carry it. You know, there's many different factors that we play into those programs, but we can offer them. So a lot of people will say, oh, there's no down payment assistance at all. No, that's not true. Also, if you're in the village of Alamorada, they do have community seconds there, which is great. I've done a ton of, I did a whole bunch of them. I probably did, I was probably the only loan officer here that did a bunch with them. So we did like seven units with those down payment assistance programs. We also did back when they were doing ship money which was awesome they don't have that now but those were community seconds to first time home buyer programs uh, if the county would bring that back it would be great they do have some money but it doesn't always work to the right way it's it's yeah. re- very restrictive on who can use those funds at the moment but we do have capability of doing all that so we look for what program they you know are they going to get a conventional loan you know are they putting how much are they putting down All those key things play into the programs. You know, again, do we have to give them something in-house or is it something we can give them that we'll use one of our probably 20 investors or more that we have that we have access to? So that's where we start. Then once you take them out, get a contract, then we start and we will, you know, get everything ready, send it to our processing team. We have 21 day closings. So that's really great. So we, try to move as fast as possible. We verify everything up front. Once we submit that contract, first thing they'll do is order out the appraisal title and get that moving so that while we're processing the loan, everything's already running and ordered so that we can meet that 21 days if we need to. Uh, I know a lot of times, you know, we always say give 30 days at least so that we have a little float time in case something comes up with title, something comes up with an appraisal, stuff like that. But pretty much that's the process. Um, we have a team, my assistant, and I have a specific processor that's just this I only works with my customers. So we work in teams here, which is great. It helps expedite everything. That is,
0: that is nice. So the 21 days, that one, cause yeah, we always do 30 days, 30 to 45 days just for safety net, but 21 days for a loan. That's pretty amazing. That's
1: actually really
0: good. Cause usually cash, cash offers, you know, you're like, okay, just title or a loan. That's that's nice, especially if because I, I know what happens a lot here is that the buyer like, okay, let's put 45 days for a closing timeframe. And then after the due diligence period and after the appraisals, I'm like, okay, no, now I want to close. <laughs> Cause they're just so excited, like, okay, can we just like close now? So it's nice if they, if we can push it earlier, it's just an extra
1: icing on the cake. I guess. Oh, no, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And it's obviously, it depends on your transaction because when we're ready, I'm always pushing the clothes and they're like, we're not Do doing this. the clothes yet. <laughs> <laughs> So it just depends. I mean, it's it's great at times. Yeah. Then people will allow for it, but then other times they're like, we're not ready or, right. or something. You know, and obviously you need to give the seller enough time to get out of their house. So. Right. And
0: that's kind of what I've run into. That the only time it seems like the seller cannot make it happen is if they live there. Right. So going back to... Actually, the seller living there, as you know, we have a huge inventory of second home owners, second home buyers here. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like there's a huge inventory option for types of loans. But does it vary drastically, the loan process and the approval process, if it's a primary home or secondary home for the buyer?
1: None at all. Okay, great. I mean, it's the same rate, pretty much, same terms, same everything. Like I have people that like... They think automatically, oh my God, well, I got to make this my primary residence, but I'm not going to live there right away. Or, you know, I could go move in and then my husband's going to stay up here. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Let's just, we'll do it as a as a second home. It's all good for us. Everything's the same. What about the down payment? Does that vary though? Well, now the down payment will vary. So on a conventional loan, you could do 5% down a conventional loan, if it's a primary residence, second home is usually like ten percent down. Okay, still not okay. Bad. So that might vary, but it's still like most people buying second homes, you know, usually want to put twenty percent down, anyways. Right. So it, it, you know, usually you don't ever see that problem that much. Right. But but it is very similar to a primary residence on terms. Yeah. Except for obviously, you think get a VA and FHA loan stuff like that. We are in what's called the high cost area because. We're in a resort type of area, vacation homes and stuff like that. So our loan limits are higher here. So we go, you know, with a little bit of a higher conventional limit than in other places. So that helps a lot too for our different types of loans. So yeah, that's good. Cause then you don't have
0: to do, I would assume, well, except still to do jumbo loans, but like our rates are higher because
1: of our, our houses are usually more expensive than other parts yes. of the country. Correct. That's the difference. So they allow for that. Uh, you'll see that in California and other spots. Any place where it's a high cost area, then you'll see that they have their own limits depending on the area. So you kind of touch base on the mobile home. What
0: also we have down here is we have modular home and single family homes. Again, the loan process for a modular home is it different than if it's a single family home, or is it not because it's still stick frame, so forth?
1: Right. Okay. So, a modular home is considered a single-family home. So, absolutely no difference. Oh, great. Where most people get confused is between a modular home and a manufactured home, because if it's a 1976 double wide, or you know, it's a manuf anything over 1976 is a manufactured home. Anything under 1976 is a mobile home. Got it. Okay. So. That's the difference in the wording, technically, is that anything prior to 1976, it's technically a mobile home. Anything newer than 76 is a manufactured home, where a lot of people try to mix them up, especially when they see things on stilts. So if they're elevated right. and they're on stilts, you know, they might say, well, it's, I think it's a modular home. And it's really not a modular home. It's really a manufactured home. So we're real careful with that. Um, The good thing is we've done so many of those that I can normally tell right up front exactly what you have. But the difference between a modular home and a single family is absolutely nothing because a modular home is a single family residence and the world of mortgages. Okay. and Because that's a question I get a lot too on.
0: If they're looking at a modular home, is how does it uh, going to affect the lending side, the
1: insurance? Is it the same rates, et cetera? So on a modular home, you're going to have the same everything. Right. Manufactured, you're not. Right. Your insurance is going to be higher and you're covered way less. Right. Because on a manufactured home, you might only get insurance of like $35,000, let us say. But now you're going to pay probably $4,000 a year. Right, it makes sense. Obviously not, right? right. <laughs> but I think it was last year. Citizens really increased their insurance rates on the manufactured homes, so that made them go up. Yeah. So it's weird because people are like, "Gosh, I'm only getting like thirty five thousand for coverage." Well, yeah, you're only getting thirty five coverage, and why am I paying so much? Well, that's how it goes down here because after the storm, they all went up. Right which kind of is a good point. Like when you're looking at
0: that price online of, okay, this house costs this much money. It's like, well, and then you see another house it might cost more, but when you mm-hmm. take in consideration the insurance or mm-hmm. the interest rates or so forth, mm-hmm. it's like, well, that house that costs more is actually a better deal because you're going to pay less, right. less a month. <laughs> we had all the costs, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's a house by house, Situation. Right. So that's kind of the whole modular of mobile home, manufactured homes. What about condos? We have lots of condos, townhomes down here in the Keys. What's kind of your thoughts on the condo process? Any things that make it hard to finance a condo and not naming certain condos, associations, but you know, is it because they're reserves? What kind of tell us kind of the process with a condo or
1: townhome? So that leads into the fact that it's super important to deal with somebody local Mm -hmm. because they know the different condos and they finance so many because condos are super tricky because of the fact that do they qualify? How do you qualify a condo? Okay. Yes. Do they have 10% reserves? Normally that's the key thing is they want to see reserves. They can't have too many people pass through. They can't have the litigation. So if they're in litigation, some have been down here that creates another problem. What is the litigation? How much is it going to cost them? So now they might kick them out and not qualify them. So it's very important. If I was a realtor and I had a listing on a condo, I would go to the association first and get all the information you could. That way you're prepared. You know how to deal with it because most people don't do that. And so I've got to find out, okay, let me contact them Well, Normally, we already have their condo questionnaires because we've done so many condos down here that we already have all their information. We keep files for each condo so that, you know, the next time we have one, we already have all their information. All we got to do is update if anything's changed and contact them. But it gets tricky because do they hold the reserves? Do they not hold the reserves? Do they have past two people? Do they not? Now, if they qualify, they can do a regular condo approval, full approval. Perfect. Then they can do lower down payments and that affects how much you can give down. Now, there's so many condos down here that choose not to hold reserves and there's many of them. Now, those are gonna be a little bit more difficult. So we have two options there. They either come up with a little bit more money down and we do what's called the limited review. So we don't have to show what their reserves are or we could hold them on our portfolio like the condo hotels and they can just do 20% down and all of our portfolio loans go through a limited review process. So we don't actually do a full review and ask them for their reserves and stuff like that. So it gets really tricky with the condos because there's so many of them down here that you want to make sure that the, that's my first thing when I'm dealing with a condo is which condo are you going with so that I know do they hold reserves, do they not? So we can tell the, the customer appropriately because if I don't know I might be offering you a low-down payment and then start getting my condo review process in the back end, but I'm already working with the customer and you and my loan. Well, now I get all my condo review documents back, my condo questionnaire back from the condo association, and voila, oh my gosh, now I can't give this customer what I told you I was gonna give them because now I found out on the back end, because I didn't do my job properly up front, that now they don't qualify. And now they don't, have, these people don't have the money. So there goes your whole deal. Okay. So it's super, super, super important to know if that condo is qualified or not. Do they hold reserves? So the best thing would be if it's your listing, get that from the association, from the seller so that you have that, so that you know yourself if they're saying, okay, no, no, no. I have to use my, I just had one, Quicken Loans. Oh boy. not anything bad but we just had one that we took over from somebody i saved them a point on the interest rate and an fha loan wow also approved them when they were saying that they couldn't be approved and we closed and everybody was super happy but it's like if it would have been a condo that these people were buying they would have been really even messed up on top of it because the way it works is most lenders will take the application stuff, and then they're going to be doing everything at the same time. Right. So they're going to go getting condo approval while they're getting the appraisal. Well, guess what? My customer now spent money on appraisal, Mm -hmm. on an inspection, and they could be at a thousand bucks. Some people, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So it sounds like also
0: good on, you know, you said if they have the listing, but if you have a buyer taking them out or for the buyer side, if the buyer is looking at condos with an agent, they need to ask at the showings, is there any litigation? How is there reserves? And then, like you said, that's a good point of before you even put an offer on this condo is to reach out to your lender, hopefully you, and say, hey, do you know any information about this condo that is this going to be an issue? Is there red flags? Because I know a lot of times, too, like uh, when I've had buyers who put offers on condos, a lot of times the lenders might not get the condo docs at the end of the process. So I know. it's like one week till closing
1: and it's yes. like, oh no, this can, mm-hmm. this is not going to happen now. Actually, our bank requires us to get it. Or the loan officer has to get it up front themselves. That's smart. Yeah. So that we can, we can make sure because our processing team, A, doesn't have time because we're trying to push things quickly on the back end. And B, they don't have the knowledge that we have as loan officers. So we don't allow our processing team to get that on the back end. That's good. We have to get that up front as a loan officer, we have to deal with that up front. So basically we're, as soon as I know pretty much what you're getting, we've already requested that condo association, all the, everything we need from the association, from the master policies for their insurances. We've already contacted that insurance agent and asked them to send the master policies to us so that we have a, the condo questionnaire, the master policies, everything up front and we're moving. So we can review it, make sure it's right. And then we submit it. So. Yeah, that's really important.
0: And also what I've seen is you just said it, the insurance, as I know a lot of time, I've, I've dealt with other banks that will ask for the master policy, but then not realizing banks aren't from here is that, or the mortgage broker is not from here, is that we have a whole separate policy for flood and flood is required in all condos here. So then that ends up delaying it more because they didn't ask for
1: it because they don't know it was needed until later. Right. So again, working he, with a local bank, So a lot of times insurance companies, and I always say, get whatever insurance policies you want to have, okay? Because we require what's called an HO6 policy, which is in walls for the inside of a condo. So you have your master policy and we require to have the HO6. Now, on top of that, a lot of times insurance policy will ask you to get a win policy for the inside. Well, we just tell the customers, get that on the side. We, as our bank, we don't require it. We only require the HO6, which for the in walls. So as long as I get that, the master policy, I'm good to go. And they can deal with whatever other insurances if they want. Specifically, they can get themselves. Okay. Those are pretty much what we require for insurances on them. So condos get to be a little tricky because of that. If you don't know the area, it's a little more difficult because a front won't know, you know, we won't name all the condos, but there are, you know, hey, this condo here definitely doesn't hold reserves. This condo here just definitely doesn't hold reserves, you know, but they're that's the way their board approves them. Right. So so another question
0: is a lot of time what happens to is I've seen with second homes is that the owner does not want it in their name. Liability. They want to put it in LLC or a corporation or something else. They do not want to have tied they want to uh
1: so liability reasons. Does it affect The lender does affect the. It does because normally we want to close in their personal names because we're doing a residential loan for them. Okay. And when it's an LLC, an LLC is what? It's a business, right? Right. So that's kind of like our answer because a business can't own a residential loan normally. Right. So we like a commercial loan. um, We can do them. Some, you know, uh, we don't have at this moment anybody that allows. We don't like it to do residential. So a lot of people will just go ahead and close in their personal names and then they deal with things after with their attorneys. So, you know, that's pretty much how it's handled okay. on our side. You know, because obviously if they have to go get, you know, once you start quoting terms to people and terms for businesses are different than terms run for residentials, that automatically changes your mind how they want it.
0: <laughs> <But> never
1: mind. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Not much more. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So, so yeah, that usually takes care of that. Really simple because you know terms are important to people. Oh yeah, that's the whole thing about terms is as I don't know as realtors we should understand like it would be crazy to take an 8% loan, you know, with a 30% down on a manufactured home versus a lower interest rate of 4.65, 4.75 on a 20 year fixed rate that, you know, so it's, it's important to know what's out there. So education, I mean, I try to do a lot of realtor, you know, trainings and stuff like that, but it's important to know, and it's great that you're doing these podcasts because you, you will, you know, get the information out there and for yourself, you're educating yourself a lot. So as a realtor, you're a step ahead of most other agents, I think, that don't do these things because it's important that you have all this information and that you know, and that you could share it. Yeah, I agree. It is very important because then you don't want
0: your customer, your client who is trusting you to know the area, to know the process, to know the insurance process, to know the lender process. You don't want them to tell them the wrong answer and then Get yourself in trouble, get them in trouble, guide them the wrong way. Or like you just said, like they might be looking at one type of home, but then realize like, well, I know you like this, but this other home, because of the features it have, might be a better deal for you that might fit your family better. And you can't really advise your client if you don't have all the information um, of the market, of the lending process, of the insurance process.
1: Right. And so and that's another thing with us you pretty much don't have to worry because from A to Z, we help you and your borrower. So obviously right up front, we're checking out the contract to make sure the contract looks good. Okay. A lot of times you have all this furniture and things on the contract, them on addendums, but we like to look at the contract, make sure it's everything's good before we submit. So we know that there's no problem in the back end. Then we like to help you get insurance quotes, the customer, and anything that they need along the way, we're there to help them. So as we're going, we're already, you know, when the appraisal comes back, we're making sure that that everything's fine. Then once that's fine, you know, we let title know so that they can start ordering and they've been approved. We have like an automated system now that's amazing because at every step of the way, it'll send you a notification as a realtor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Loans approved. You get a video. Hey, customer's loan's been approved and it's pretty cool, (laughs) but it's new to us and and everybody loves it because the videos are great, (laughs) but clear to close. It says, Hey, you're clear to close. If your loan's been approved, your customer's loan's been approved. So all the way along the way, you're going to get the little videos and it tells you, and once we get the approval and we know everything, we, we advise title that way they can, you know, title actually orders. The surveys, and you know that's another thing that's important. Title, hmm. you know, look, we have so many title agents down here. Use a local title company. You know, a lot of the people in Miami want to use their their title companies, and obviously, you can use any title company you want. We don't, you know, suggest anything. Usually, realtors already have that worked out ahead of time. But my only suggestion, and I tell the customers this all the time, if it's a manufactured home make sure they know how to deal with it because a lot of times they don't. Right. So if you use somebody local here, the county's here. If something comes up, they can go down to the county with the titles because, you know, those do have titles to them. Right. And I've seen a lot that they
0: don't, the current owner doesn't have the title. They misplaced it. They have no idea what the title is. And so you're right. If you have a local title company, they can just run down like, okay, let's do the application instead of a Miami title company who, they're not here to get the title for the mobile home again or manufactured
1: home. And that's usually what I advise them because, like I said, we're not allowed to like specify, hey, you have to go with But I usually do say use somebody local, you know, if you can, because it's gonna make a difference. It's just like, and, and a lot of people understand. I'm like, it's like, you know, you're using us locally here because we're experienced in this area and we've lived down here for so long. So hopefully whoever you're using has been here a long time that knows. But this is our thing. This is our field. So we um, are the local experts. Yeah. Just like using a local realtor. Right. It's important to use a local
0: realtor. There's just so much information down here. It's just it's just so much more. I feel like in real estate here than other parts of the country. We've worked together, and you're great. Your company is great because, like you said, you're always informing. Like I think having information is so important, and also just communication. Communication is so important. And so I always feel like you guys, it's like, I know every step what's going on. I'm not like, uh, where are we at on yeah. Come with, And you know, Sometimes <laughs> banks are just like, hello. Right. You but no, you guys are great about always communicating with the agent, always communicating with the buyer. Uh, and it makes Thank a you. big difference. So Lisa, I really appreciate you talking to us today. Thank you. Uh, you've been wonderful. Uh, I will continue to send you some clients when I have them, someone who, needs one. And do you have any other things you'd like to add before we head out?
1: No, nothing. Our office is local. So we're at the Damron building in Key Largo at Marker 99 in the medium. So we're, you know, usually there. And if you need anything, just contact us directly.
0: And if they do want to reach out to you, what is the best phone number, email,
1: contact? How can they reach you? Okay. So I'm Lisa Feliciano and my cell phone number is the best way. 305-766- 0643. And my email address is l F-E-L-I-C-I-A-N-O, at com. All right. Thank you, Lisa. No, thanks, Hi. April, for having me. My pleasure.
0: Thank you all for listening to my show, the Florida Keys Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, April Struess. If you have any realistic questions regarding the Florida Keys, please feel free to reach out to me through my website at www.floridakeyssearch.com, or you may feel free to call me 305-399-6297.
1: Have a wonderful day.